The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. And my husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer of this podcast. Today's episode is episode number 299. I'm kind of proud of that. We're almost 300 episodes, and I would say that 290 seven of those were all new. We did repeat a couple at one point, but mostly those are new. And the whole purpose of this podcast is to give you hope and let you know that help is available if you or someone you know is suffering from drug or alcohol addiction. This is a situation that is going to require all of us to work on, to solve. And that's why Steve and I do this podcast. We're not former addicts. We don't have addicts in our family but we believe that this is a problem that affects everyone and it's our duty to do something about it. So that's why we do this podcast. That's why we're closing in on the end of our sixth year of weekly podcasting. We think it's important. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And also please give us a good rating because that way people find us when they are looking for help for addiction. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a thumbs up when you watch our videos. Today's episode is episode number 299. Today, we have an interview with a gentleman named Jim Carroll. The Honorable Jim Carroll has substantial experience as a legal advisor to two White House administrations. Starting in 2018, he served for three years as the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy after being unanimously confirmed by the United States Senate. Under Jim's leadership as the U.S. drug czar, the U.S. saw its first year over year decrease in overdose deaths in 30 years. I think we need to get him back in office. He served in a number of high profile posts at the White House between 2016 and 2018, including roles as Deputy Chief of Staff and Deputy White House Counsel. But what we want to talk to him today about is his job as drug czar, what he saw then, what he sees now. So without further ado, let's talk to Jim Carroll. The other thing that I want to say about Jim Carroll before we talk to him is that he is principal and co-founder of Michael Best Advisors, and he is also on the International Safety Board. Jim Carroll, thank you for being on the podcast today. I appreciate you taking the time to tell your story. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be able to talk to parents about this issue. Awesome. And I know we have parents that listen, so that's a good thing. Jim, just give us a little background on who you are and how you ended up as the drug czar of the United States. What a title that is, right? Um, I know, right? I love it. (laughs) Um, Certainly lots of connotations in this day and age, but really, I was incredibly fortunate um, to be unanimously confirmed by the Senate um, to be the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy. It's an agency inside the White House um, that oversees drug policy for the entire United States government. And I oversaw about $35, $36 billion that the federal government spends on this issue. It's everything from treatment and making sure that we're supporting people in long-term recovery. It's making sure that we're educating children 
as well as adults, but really children on the dangers of the misuse of drugs. And then finally, also overseeing our law enforcement's efforts at the federal level to control what's coming into this country in an effort to all save lives. You know, I'm really glad to hear you lay it out like that, because, you know, we have talked to law enforcement and this is not a law enforcement situation. Yes, that's a part of it. But if you look at it just from that viewpoint, it's not going to get solved. And the education and the prevention, the treatment, it all has to be part of it. So when how did you get into that job? I mean, was it something you wanted? Did you have some interest in the area? Yeah, and I I did. I'll tell you, I started my career um, as a lawyer, um, as a state prosecutor, and I mainly prosecuted drug cases. Ah. And and so I saw the law enforcement side of it. And this was, you know, back in the early 90s. And back then, the preferred treatment was incarceration, right? There wasn't the availability of treatment. There wasn't the knowledge. And there was a great deal of stigma. Um, And so, you know, people really believed oh, the best way to help a person is incarceration. And while we know that is the best way to treat someone who is trafficking drugs, someone who has an addiction to money um, and they don't care about the destruction in their path, um, the people that have an addiction, we need to sort of review, revamp um, and help them in a different way. But I'll tell you back then, that was the preferred treatment um, of incarceration. I always sort of stayed involved in this issue Um, for 10 years. I was the um, director of compliance for Ford Motor Company. And so what I was doing was looking at how are our employees complying with the law? I was also part of the Virginia State Bar, um, overseeing attorneys and attorney misconduct. And really what you see at the end of the day is so much misconduct um, in the office place um, especially in the office space, are by employees who have an issue outside of the workplace. Mm-hmm. And it's whether they themselves are battling something or a family member is battling something. Um, it was really, you know, we really often saw, you know, personal problems interfering with work. Um, I was asked to join the Trump administration. Um, I had previously been in the um, Bush administration. And so I was, I came back um, to sort of work on those issues And while I was there, um, my wife called me um, and much I had we had no idea. Uh, We have three children. One of them um, over the age of 21 does not live at home, um, had developed a dependence to prescription opioids, which we can talk about. But it's actually, you know, that is fewer and fewer cases these days. Right. And but I'm um, sorry that that happened because, yeah, Oh, I, I have a. We are incredibly fortunate, and that's why I got into this, that our child um, you know, came to my wife and said, I've been taking these pills. I've been abusing these pills. You know, I was supposed to take them twice a day. I've been taking them three. Then the doctor prescribed three a day, and I would go to four. The doctor did four. I was taking five. And then suddenly the doctor um, cut off and said, that's it, no more. And there was no tapering. There was no you know, ability to sort of, you know, let them get help. It was suddenly, you know, we're no longer prescribing and um, went into a full-blown panic, knew that they couldn't, you know, live, um, you know, without this. But thankfully, um, my wife called me. I'm in complete shock. She's in shock. We have no earthly idea, but we were able to 
you know, use the power of the internet, which is pretty scary, but we found a detox facility. Um, and now, you know, five, almost six years later, um, you know, we have a beautiful, happy, you know, ending. What I realized is so many families did not. And right. so I started working on this issue behind the scenes and finally, um, you know, realized that that was my calling. And there's yeah. a difference between your, you know, sort of vocation and your calling. Yep. And I realized this is all I want to do is help other families. And so I worked on the issue behind the scenes. Um, and then I was nominated and I was incredibly blessed to be unanimously confirmed because I promised everyone this is not a partisan issue. It wasn't for me, you know, um, and it's not for anyone. It's not. It doesn't matter what what political sway you have. It doesn't matter your income level, your religion, your race. It doesn't matter any of that. No, and it's and it's every family. It really is. Yep. And um, you know, back then at the beginning, this was two. I guess twenty seventeen. Um, we were saying that oh, one out of three people knows someone or has a family member. Yeah, I think in this day and age, in twenty twenty two, it's everyone. Everyone knows someone who has a loved one, a family member, or, you know, God forbid, they say, yes, I'm having a problem or a direct family member has a problem. Everyone is impacted. Yep. And did you, were there any surprises when you took over as drugs are? Was there something you learned that you didn't know before? Um, What we began to see was surprising. Um, You know, back then it was just everyone was talking about prescription pills. That was the, and that was the issue in my, you know, in, in my family, that there had been an abuse, um, misuse, misprescribing um, of opioids. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out, if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at the addiction podcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, the addiction podcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Yep. But what surprised me was when we started seeing the Chinese and Mexican drug cartels taking advantage of these people who had the disease of addiction um, and they moved away from the sort of traditional drugs um, of heroin to the illicit side. And we realized then um, that this was changing. The paradigm was changing. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned the paradigm. We had a gentleman on the podcast and he was talking about the whole paradigm shift to today, which is poisoning by fentanyl. A lot of the kids now who are getting poisoned by fentanyl, they're not addicts. They're not overdosing. 
I mean, in a conventional sense of you're an addict and you do too much, they try one pill and it's fentanyl and they die. So did you see some of that starting already? Is that, was that what was coming in? Yeah, that's when I got there, um, it was coming in and we could see, you know, the future and it was pretty scary. Back then, a lot of it was on the black market. Um, it was on the dark web. Um, and, you know, so we worked, you know, very close overseeing $35 billion and overseeing the DEA in its entirety. You're able to work with them to, you know, to implement policy in the way that we go after this. And so there were a lot of takedowns um, on the dark web, shutting down websites. And the fentanyl at that point was, for the most part, being shipped directly from China to individual users in the U.S. It was coming in the mail, um, other you know, private postal um, carriers. And so we did a huge crackdown. I led a White House delegation to China. And pretty soon after, with the president really pushing, getting a commitment um, from President Xi of China, the rate of opioids coming into the U.S. from China dropped almost to zero. Wow. Um, and so we started making great strides for the first time in almost 30 years. We had a reduction in the number of Americans dying in a, of a drug overdose. Wow. And so what it showed was that if we could control what was coming into this country, if we could tell people that you could get treatment and that you could afford it um, and that it was available, that you could tell people that won't be stigma, there won't be any, you know, action, you know, held against you at the at school or at the workforce. Um, and we started spending more money than ever before on prevention, getting into our kids at younger and younger ages with age appropriate material right. um, about the dangers. And so by making more money available for education, getting more people in treatment than ever before, and by knowing what was coming into our country, we were able to save lives. We were down in the 70,000s. Now, sadly, is you know we know that it's 107, 108. And the trajectory at the current point is terrifying. I saw something the other day that said, if, if we don't stop what we're doing now and change course, we could have 145,000 fatal overdoses in 2025, which isn't that far away. No, no. You know, it's unfortunate to me. This is not a political podcast and we don't talk about politics and I don't talk about who I like over somebody else. But it's unfortunate that the fact that the administration changes, you don't get to stay in office and continue to do the good work that you do. Do you know what well, I mean? I, I'm blessed. There's a great staff there. Um, and it's not a political issue. And, and when I, you know, all, honestly, all the drugs that are killing us for the most part are coming into the U.S. from outside of our country. Yep. As far as I'm concerned, the immigration, who comes into our country, I trust Congress and the people can figure that out. But we just need to know what they're carrying, what is in the trunk of their vehicle, what's in their suitcase. Um, let anyone and everyone in that, you know, we deem appropriate. You all can figure, you know. You, the people, and the Congress can figure out, and the president, of course, can figure out who should come into the country, but there's no excuse that we don't know what is coming into our country. That's and right. that's my issue. That's right. I mean, any, you know, yeah, people come in, but you cannot bring illicit drugs with you. That's, that's yeah, that's not going to fly. No. So 
What did, so you said that the numbers went down as a result of what you did and very well done to you oh. for, for that happening. Team um, effort. Sorry. It's a team effort. Just like oh, you I know. understand. I know it wasn't just you. I know that, yeah. but thank you. Cause you were, you were heading it up. Um, are you seeing anything? Are you still involved in this area at all? Or are you doing something completely different now? No, this is all I do. Um, oh. I continue to work in this space. Um, I work, you know, with companies, with entities, nonprofits, trying to make treatment more available. A lot of what I'm doing now is on the telehealth side. Um, what we're seeing is, you know, so many people in rural areas who don't have ready access to treatment. They don't have either transportation or even one nearby. And so we're making, working with companies to make telehealth more widely available. We're working with two nonprofits that were founded by parents who lost a child and making sure that the public understands what's actually happening, getting into our schools, you know, and teaching these dangers. Um, I'm working with a program that's trying to make naloxone, more commonly known as Narcan, um, but making naloxone more widely available you know, by putting it in schools, putting it in college dormitories, um, even if they even have the ability to mail it, you know, discreetly to your home, right. um, much like other medicine, you know, you can have other medication delivered to your house. Why can't we have Narcan delivered to your house? And, you know, that's so- huge. And I think a lot of people would say, well, you know, we just need to handle the addiction problem. And that's true. And the education, mm-hmm. the prevention and the treatment is all a part of that. But when you've got somebody that's about to die of an overdose, you need to be able to you need to be able to handle it. You know, I'm, I'm, again, it's, um, you know, it's my personal belief um, that if you're going to say that you care about people, you're going to say that I care about lives. And yes, absolutely. What we're doing is we're not enabling them to continue their addiction. We're enabling them to live so that we can get them into treatment. That's um, exactly that right. they have, because that's when they are most um, coming out, you know, from a near fatal overdose is when we have the time to get to them and say, here's a treatment spot that's available or a treatment bed that's available. Um, here are the providers. We'll take care of everything you know that you need. We're seeing some programs that, you know, we will foster your pet. Don't worry. You know, you're not going to have to give your pet up. We'll yeah. foster your pet. Just get into treatment. And so those are the things that we want to encourage. Um, I'm currently working with the former DEA administrator um, to also make sure that you know, opioids are not overprescribed, um, that we don't fall back in that rut. Um, and also, you know, working with one company, uh, one law enforcement group that is actually, you know, trying to make sure that we do have a handle on the drugs coming in. And so I'm fortunate to be in business with my, uh, with uh, my, the former DA administrator at, here at Michael Best. You are, you are a closet drug czar. You're behind the scenes drug czar. You're still doing a lot of what really needs to be done. I I confess I didn't know that before we spoke and I'm I'm in awe of everything oh. that you do. I appreciate so much what you're doing. We need about a million of you to do what you're doing. Um the and I think we quietly do. Um there's a lot of people like you. You're I mean through the addiction podcast, you're getting the word out to parents to talk to your children about the dangers. You're getting the word out to people that are suffering from the disease of addiction that there's hope. Um, yep. And so I, I think we all have a you know piece to play on this. I agree. I agree. It is not, it is something that is going to take every single person 
doing whatever they can to educate others and being aware that there's a situation there. I think so often we like to think, oh, it's not my child. You know, it's over there, but it that's not true. It's going to affect you no matter who you are. Stigma is sadly a part of this disease. Yes, it is. And I think we as a country are getting better. Um, we're not where we need to be yet. Um, and so we need to work on this together. Yep. So we'll pinky swear to each other that we'll continue to work on this space. It's a deal. I like <laughs> that, Jim. I am happy to be in a pinky swear with you. I love that. <laughs> I, I do. And really kudos to everything you're doing, what you did as the drugs are and everything that you're doing now. And can, you know, they, and I know you will continue to do, I'm glad your son is doing fine and, you know, just the best of success. If there's anything that we can do, if there's anyone that you feel needs to come on here and tell their story and, you know, help to get the word out, we, we want to talk to them. I just can't thank you enough for talking to us. Well, it's a great honor to be on, to be with you, to talk about this issue um, and to get the message out that, you know, honestly, the people are loved. It sounds trite, but it isn't. Um, that, you know, that will help you as a parent get your child through, um, you know, and into long-term recovery and to really, you know, say, it's okay, I'm here with you and put our, literally sometimes put our arm around their shoulder and get them, you know, to treatment. Yep. I love it. You're the bomb. <laughs> Pinky swear we're in this together. We are. Thank you so much for listening. Jim wanted to be sure that I told you that he is principal and co-founder of Michael Best Advisors. And that is the group that he's working with that is helping to continue to address this whole addiction problem in a big way. I appreciate you listening today. I hope that we are giving you some value. And I hope that if you need treatment, that you get into it right away. Don't wait until after the holidays. And if you have a loved one that needs treatment, get them into the get get them into treatment now before the holidays. Don't wait. We'll talk to you again next week. We'll have another interview for you. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast point of no return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.